Hi. <laughs> I tell you, it's been really fun uh, getting to know Shane and, and hearing his story. Um, yeah, someone who just completely walks away from God, um, jumps back in and is experiencing him in super powerful ways, working through his life. And, uh, and I love that story. And uh, just this week, we were praying. We pray every morning as a staff. And Patty Horton, our preschool director, uh, had us reflect on how... Um, we're made in God's image. And then she just asked us, what does that mean to you guys to be made in God's image? And one of the main ways that we're made in God's image is relationship. He, he made us for relationship. We need that to really thrive. And so uh, I really encourage you, man, take this seriously, getting together with other people. Because what we're going to talk about today, is the, as we talked about last week, is the relationship that we actually have with God. And so, as you can see, uh, Miss Rachel Wilford is up here joining me today, yeah, give it up. If you guys don't know, uh, well, by the way, if you're visiting, my name is Dave Nelson, I'm the pastor here, and Rachel oversees our Life Together group, so, you know, convenient and actually... Convenient that I'm here today. That is kind of convenient. Yeah, huh, I wonder how that happened. Yeah, because I didn't ask you because of that either. I know, so, you perfect. did it, yeah. <laughs> Well, really, so seriously, Rachel is doing a great job helping to get people connected and also started up a women's ministry that we've got some neat connection happening. And so today, we're going to kind of take the second step into the series that we started last week about experiencing God. How do we actually experience God? So last week, we learned that eternal life, because we talk about eternal life, right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that anybody who believed in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. But what we learned last week is that eternal life actually is Jesus. He is eternal life. The Bible says that life, the creator, appeared. And then he says, and eternal life is knowing the one true God. And that means being in relationship with him. It's not an intellectual knowledge. Last week we talked about the Greek words gnosis, which is intellectual knowledge. Intellectually knowing about God is not eternal life. But knowing him in an intimate relationship, this gnosko, that's eternal life. And, uh, and Rachel and her husband, Jason, right over here, lots of people, chop boy. So uh, <laughs> one of our guitar players up here for our worship. Um, man, that's been their story. So Yeah. So last week, I, I left thinking, man, there was just some, some key things that hit me. And I'm assuming that probably they hit you as well. But Dave said, if you want to have a good life, have relationships with good people. If you want to have a great life, have relationships with great people. And if you want to have a full life, have a relationship with Jesus. And I sat and I thought with that for a minute because I was like, I think all of us could say we have some good relationships and we have some great relationships. But for us, Jason and I now to be able to say we have a full life because of our relationship with Jesus is a whole nother thing. And, and then I, I, I did, I had to go home and geek out because, you know, Dave does that to you. And, and I looked up this gnosko. So has any of you guys done that where you go home and you're like, what is this Greek thing that he talks about? Just me? Okay. So I looked up gnoskos, to know. And this idea of knowing in that intellectual concept is this noun. It's this thing that, you know, you do it and it's, or it's what it is. But gnoskos, it, it hit me because it was really about this idea that the description I got was it's gleaned from firsthand experience. And so it's a verb. It's an action. You're actually having to step into that thing in order to experience it. 
So many of you know Jason and I's story, but just to touch on a tiny bit of it from the very, very beginning, um, Jason and I have been married coming up um, on 16 years, if, if any of you can believe that. That's insanity, because I'm like 16 still. I act like it, at least. So the thing, though, when we, when we got married, we kind of had this commonality of not having any, any faith really in our life. It was something that we'd had both had experiences, and we were just good having nothing. So... I could, I could, I could say God was nowhere in our life. And then we went through this experience where our marriage was struggling. We were facing literally the death possibly of our, of our daughter at the time. She was one. And we started to go through this process of knowing God. And it got to the point where she was about three years old. And we had this really strong impression as her medical state became more fragile and, and needs at home were more necessary. We felt God say, Rachel, quit your job. That made no sense at all because at the time I was actually the primary breadwinner of our home. I was bringing in a giant chunk of our income and it made no sense. So we started doing the asking thing. What do you guys think of this? I even asked a friend, does God ever ask you to do crazy things? (laughs) And she's like, girl, have you read the Bible? I'm like, oh, never mind. Um, So interesting, we're going to talk about the same story that she used to describe what we were being called to. We were being called out into the unknown, into the knowing Jesus. So we had this expectation of when I quit work, what was going to happen? Jason was going to get this raise. He was going to get this new job. It was going to make up the income, blah, blah, blah. We had a plan. The plan fell through. It didn't go that way. We, we did create, create like financial suicide, essentially. And in that sense, though, because we stepped out, we followed what God said. We knew we needed to experience him in the way of living what he said to do. He didn't give us our house or the money, but he gave us our daughter's health. Our daughter's health turned around, and we have never seen her stronger or healthier, and we never would have possibly thought he would have done that. Just like Abraham, which we'll talk about, had a plan, we had a plan, and he took it a different way. So it was, that's our story, and it's just amazing how we learned that's how you gnosko God. You listen to the call. You step into life with him. And so, and, and, and we just know this. I, I've been doing church ministry for 32 years. And, and many of us, we come, and uh, even last week was a phenomenal week, watching so many of you come forward here to, to pray, to get connected to God, because we want to know him and we want to experience him. And so last week we talked about what that is. And so today, what Rachel and I are going to talk with is how, if Jesus is eternal life, if he is complete joy and complete peace, if he knows the plans that he has for you and can speak and guide you, okay, how? How do I actually experience him? So I'm just going to encourage you, most of this message, a lot of this one, is for all of us who've actually made a decision for Christ. If you haven't yet, just listen in because you're going to see, what does this look like? How can, how can I live the full life that he actually yeah. gives us? So if it's a relationship with him, let's think about this. Think about the person you have the closest relationship with. And there's two things that are going on, I guarantee you. Number one, you trust each other. So you trust the people you're closest to are the people you trust. And when you trust them, you get vulnerable. And when you get vulnerable, then you have a chance for intimacy. So that's one thing. And the second thing is you love them. The, per, the people you're closest to, you actually have a, a love relationship. You're loving and you're receiving love. Well, look at this. Galatians 5, 6 says this. The only thing that counts. Do you think this might be important? <laughs> the only thing 
that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And I just want to tell you, so we're going to talk about faith and love today. And here's what's interesting. I was, as I was sitting with this, I'm like, for you guys who are Christians, you know, or you go to church for a while, you're like, seriously? Faith and love. I know those two things. In one sense, this is the, the simplest thing. And I'm telling you, for both Rachel and I, as we've talked and gone through this week, even for me this morning, going through this again, yeah. this is the most profound thing that we can actually grasp. And I think it's part of the reason why most of us in this room know that there's way more that we can be experiencing with God. All right? So here's the first thing we're talking about. If we're going to experience him and know him, the first thing, how you do this, is you have to have complete reliance. You have to have complete reliance on Jesus. 1 Timothy 1.14. So Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, this guy was killing Christians, right? So he's like, man, I was way off track. <laughs> and then he says this. But the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, look at this, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? This is a phenomenal statement. He's saying when you receive Jesus, which is eternal life, you put your faith in him and he comes into your life, Jesus comes in and he gives you faith and love. In Hebrews 12, it says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of faith. In other words, he is the one who knew how to walk in perfect faith in God, and he is the one who knew how to love. And so, I don't know about you, as a human, I struggle with this, man. I struggle to love God and other people, and I struggle to take steps of faith. Jesus doesn't. And so, as a Christian, you now have inside you... Listen, this is super important. What you can't do, Jesus does. So let me ask you a question this morning. Who are you relying on to walk by faith and to love? And if you're relying on yourself to be better and to be stronger, you're going to have a really miserable, (laughs) exhausting, and frustrating walk. But if you can learn how to rely on Jesus, it can happen. In John 14, 30 and 31, he says, I, I, I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming and he has no hold over me. So basically Jesus is right here. He's saying, Satan's coming and I'm going to die, but he has no hold on me. The reason I'm going to die. And look what he says. He comes so that the world may learn. I love the father and I do exactly what my father has commanded me. He loves the Father, and he does exactly what the Father commands him to do, and he is living in me. And so, just real quick to close up this point, you talk about the band. You can't experience God unless you have faith expressing itself through love, and that's what Jesus does. That's why he's our Savior because he saves us. And just real quick, I was thinking celebrate recovery. I just looked this up. If you, if you look at the points, the first, and this is 12 steps stuff. The first thing is they say, you must realize I'm not God. And I admit that I'm powerless. <laughs> the first thing you got to do is admit you're powerless. I can't do this. The second thing you do is you earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him and that he has, and that he has the power to help me. Third thing, you consciously choose to commit all of your life and will to Christ's care and control. 
And then step seven is you reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. So we had to start here as we were talking about this, yeah. because if we didn't, we're going we're gonna to get into faith and love, and you're going to feel like, okay, man, I got I to gotta be better. I got to yeah. yeah, work harder, yeah. have more faith and more love. And you're going, go, oh. No, actually, you need, to, you need to just confess to God and go, I can't do this. Jesus, help me. Give me the faith and the love that you possess. All right? So now, as we get into faith, just know that, yes, we have to take these steps, but we can actually have Jesus help us do it. Okay? I think, yeah, I mean, the reliance piece of it is us coming in alignment with his will for us. We have to understand that that is the the step that is going to lead us into these other things. And so I love that. Also, I just noticed um, on your programs, for those of you who follow along, that point was that uh, as the third point. So just switch that around. But that was the first one. Sorry about that. Keeping you on your toes. If you were confused, why? So just so you know, I caught that earlier. Um, So here, heading into complete faith. And this is the piece that I absolutely love because I understand as there is this different concept for all of us and and knowing what God is and knowing what faith is and and then actually living it out. And and action is truly what makes faith complete. Jesus is what makes faith perfect and we are and and our action into that faith with him is what makes it complete. So we're gonna read it in James 2, 17 through 23. This is a beautiful place where he talks about what faith looks like to live it out. In the same way, faith by itself, it is, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac for sacrifice on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend." So in Dave's words, we're going to unpack that now. Mm-hmm. But So we're going to walk through that. And I want to help you because I, I feel like this passage is, is amazing because it's where God is teaching us what this looks like, what the difference is of gnosis, of knowing God, of that, that, that basis and actually experiencing him. So James 2.17, the beginning of that, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And this is where there is that tension of faith and works. Is it is it faith or works? Or, you know, it's it's they're both. They work together as your faith leads you into the works that we're going to do. It's those actions. Jason and I took an action of our faith. We we had a truth that we knew that God was going to show up and do something. Obviously, our knowing what he was going to do was different than what he did, but we knew. And when we said yes to him, it took us from that knowing who God was, knowing that he existed, to then being able to live with him in alignment and getting to know him truly. And that's the big thing that I'm learning, is you cannot experience faith or God without that faith and love coupled together. Um, This is a big piece, because even in this part where we talked about in James 2.19, you know, the demons even knew, and we talked about this before heading in this morning, um, 
what what that was like that they took an action and how interesting that is. Yeah, I mean, and, and so basically, you guys, faith, that word just means to have a confident trust. Like, you, you, you know this so deeply. And, and, and really, every action, everything that we do, if you take it back, it's because you believe something. All right? So that, that is. So, so James has given us a couple, couple examples here. He goes, you believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. Now, what, what does that mean? That basically what he's saying is the demons know, they gnosis, they intellectually understand that God is the one true God. But what's interesting is it actually causes them to have an action. What's their action? Yeah, they shudder. And when, when Jesus actually showed up, what did they do? They fled. <laughs> See, so they had an action because they knew this is the one true God. And we have no interest in him. And we want nothing to do with him. So they take off. <laughs> so they're actually, see, faith without action. No, they had action. <laughs> it was to run away from God. Because they knew that he was the one true God. And he says, so you, you say there's one God? Good. Then if you actually believe that, you have an action too. But instead of running away from him, it causes you to run to him. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And I believe that he died on the cross to save me from my sin. And I believe that he rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And I believe that he is living in me. I believe. And that confident trust leads to an action. Because we believe that, we trust him. And I thought, you know what's so interesting? The one time that Jesus says, he gets gets actually pretty frustrated, he he says is when you're lukewarm. And you guys know that he says this. He goes, I know your deeds... See, because again, faith, you know, show me your faith by your deeds. He goes, I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. You know why? Because when you're lukewarm, you know what you, you, know what you do? You don't move. So, so you say, I know God. I just don't follow him. <laughs> and Jesus is like, saying that you know me, but sitting in lukewarm water, right? Because you can just stick your finger in. That's warm. You can just stick it in there. It's hot. You're like, whoo! Or it's cold. It's like, okay. You have to move. He goes, I wish you were just cold or I wish you were hot. That lukewarm thing is one of the most dangerous things. And I'm just going gonna, gonna to be point blank. A lot of you right now, and it's okay, because he's gracious and he wants to bless you today. You're here today to maybe hear this one thing. Some of you have been lukewarm and you're, you, you aren't acting. And if you don't act, you're not going to actually experience God. And he wants you to know him. Okay? And today's your day to get hot, white hot in faith. I like it. Well, one of the greatest stories of faith in action is Abraham, which we, we mentioned before. And for me, this is one of those stories that just will shake you if you really sit with it in, in the depth of it. So James 5.21 reflects on that story from back in Genesis. But was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. 
So we were talking, and, and there may be some of you in here who don't know the story of Abraham. Um, this is, you know, we kind of assume that everybody knows this. So let me just give you a, a little brief uh, Cliff Notes version of it. So Abraham was this guy who who was the you know living for for God, but had not been able to have any children and. The long story of it short is that he was, he was given his promised son through his wife Sarah, and Isaac was his name. And, and imagine if you thought you were never going to have this child, and then you're given the promised child, and then God comes and says to you, this child you're going to go and you're going to take and you're going to sacrifice. You're going to kill this child on an altar as the ultimate sacrifice. I can't even imagine that. I mean, if we think about those of us who are parents, that makes me nauseous to think about being called. I'm like, God, I'll do whatever you want. No, right? Don't. Um, You know, I'm often like, just don't touch the kids. We can do this, but don't touch the kids. And those of you who have family, you know, parents, siblings, friends, you know, you don't have to be a parent to understand the depth and magnitude of this. This is serious stuff. So here, though, this is my favorite part of thinking about it. Not my favorite. This is a big part, though. So here's Abraham sitting on the bottom of the mountain deciding he's going to head up. He could easily have said no. Here he is already being you know, revered by, by all of his family and those in his tribe as this man of faith, a man of God. And he could have easily sat there at the bottom of the mountain and said, God, I trust you, so we're going to sit here, and you're going to have to provide a different way for us to go about this. But no, he, he decided to make the step. He decided to step out into that. And you know, I, I just imagine, you guys, close your eyes and think about it. He walked up a mountain. You know, he loaded up the donkey, he's got the wood, he got the whole thing. This is not a small feat. And then he's heading up there and, you know, his servants are asking questions and Isaac's asking questions and there's a whole lot of, well, we'll just deal with it when we get there kind of a thing. And they get to the top and, and this is where it's big because in, so in Genesis 22, it very specifically hits this and it talks about how Abraham, Ham, this is, this is big for me. I was telling David about this. This is like big for me. He bound his son and he laid him on the altar. Now, just the idea of him having to bind his son, something tells me Isaac did not jump up on that altar willingly. Something tells me that Abraham had to pursue God's plan, pursue following God so much that he probably had to wrestle his son down and put him up there. How often are we trying to follow God and we're receiving this resistance and we're feeling like, well, it's not going the way I wanted. You know, it's not just being laid out on the altar for me. It's probably, I should probably not go this way. And yet here we have the truth that it always doesn't look like rainbows and ponies, right? Like it looks like wrestling down our kids. Now, y'all, I have kids and I wrestle them just to put their pants on, okay? (laughs) You've seen Strummer run around here. I mean, I cannot imagine... (laughs) A, you know, a, a teenager wrestling him down to bind him so that Abraham could go as far as raising the knife in the air before the Lord stepped in and said, stop, I will provide the lamb for you. Stop. And he did. And it's just incredible because it just shows the ultimate step of faith that Abraham went through that we can look back on and say, okay, these are one of those promises. This is one of those moments that I can rely on God's truth. 
Now, do you have a step of faith that you need to be stepping out in? Is there something? Because I feel like this, this concept of faith is like, oh, I have, I don't know. I don't really know where my faith is at. And we were talking, and, and recently at a, at a Q Commons, there was this, this idea that was brought up about the idea of how faithful and how trusting we are. Um, but it, like, it got me thinking, like, we all live in a, in a state of faith. Even an atheist or an agnostic lives in a state of faith. Maybe it's their faith of uh, science. Maybe it's their uh, faith of just medicine, whatever it is. But we all have a faith. Like, I mean, I have a faith that my kids are going to learn and be educated and be safe at school or we wouldn't send them to school, right? I have a faith that the plane that Jason and I are getting on tomorrow is going to fly (laughs) or I wouldn't get on the plane tomorrow. I can promise you that. So we have a faith of things outside of just our faith in God. And yet at the same time, when we take it into the action piece, and that's what I want to say, we're already living out that action of faith in so many areas of our life. And so it's time for us as believers to stop saying, well, I'm good here. I'm lukewarm. And it's time to start saying, where are the steps of faith where can I gnoskos? Where can I experience? I love the, there's another, I, the, the terminology or the definition of gnoskos in another place was from theory to application. Whoa, like, okay, so I can have this concept, this theory of it, but now I have to actually do something with it, and it's time for us to get in the game. Yeah. Yeah, and you guys, you know what's amazing? Uh, it, it later tells us in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. It said that when, when um, Abraham so believed God, you know what it says he believed? He said, if I kill my son, he believed he was going to raise him from the yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah. I, I, any, anybody out there have that type of faith? Good for you, man. Yeah. I, I am not there. <laughs> Can I, I mean, but seriously... But, but, but this is super important because what that, what all James, the reason he's using the story is to help us to understand. He so believed that God would be faithful that even if his son died, he would live. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say, God, you know, my story, I'm not called to do what Abraham did. You probably aren't either. But I do know this. Whatever God calls you to do, he's going to give you the grace and the strength to do it. But the mm-hmm. point is, you've got to do it. If you don't do it, you'll never actually experience God. The only thing that matters, you guys, is faith expressing itself, right? Faith taking action. And then the last verse of that, it said, and the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. What's a friend? It's someone that you hang out with. It's someone you know. It's someone you trust. You have a relationship with them. And Abraham and God were friends because Abraham took the step. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So complete faith. And as Rachel said, we were going to just give you a chance today. Is there a step of faith that you believe that God is asking you to take? Do you know something he's either asking you to do or something he's asking you not to do to stop doing And I want to tell you this right now. If you take that step, you will step into God and you'll know him. All right? So now let's talk about complete love because the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. So 1 John chapter 2, 3 and 6 says this. We know that we have come to know him. Ha ha. There it is. And guess what? It's Gnosko. Not that we intellectually know him. We have come 
to know that we have, I'm sorry, we know that we have come to gnosko him, experience God, if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person, okay? So did you guys hear that? So again, it's, 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 it, God is just saying to us very clearly, let me just say something. You can say that you know me, but if you don't do what I say, you don't. You actually don't know me. You aren't experiencing me. And then he says this, but if anyone obeys his word, the love of God is truly made complete in them. I don't know about you, I would love to have the love of God complete in me. Anybody else want that? Now listen, now seriously, this is why this is so important. You and I, here's what he's offering us. You and I can walk on this planet with the complete love of God going on inside of us. And that means to experience him. And then he says, this is how we know we're in him. Are you in him? Are you in him? Are you experiencing him? Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. How did Jesus live? I love the Father, and I do whatever he tells me to do. So if we're going to experience God now, have eternal life now, you got to live like Jesus. You just got to say, I love him, and do exactly what he asks you to do. All right? So I was thinking about that. Love made complete. I don't know about you, Rachel. Did you date a bunch of people before? She, she didn't know I was going to ask her this question. No. It's no kind of like kissing my wife last week. By the way, can I just say, I totally freaked out my wife last week. You um, think? A little? Yeah. She, she actually did tell me, she goes, she goes, when you started going out in the audience and saying, hey, do you know me? Do you know me? She's like, oh, crud, he's coming to me. She goes, so she knew that. She goes, but when you kissed me, she goes, I had no idea you were going to do that. So, but, but I was thinking about this when I was in college Lori Orchard was a girl that I met, and I knew she was the one for me, man. So I, I was falling in love, and I loved her, and I pursued her. And guess what? She didn't follow the will of God. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know what's really horrible oh, is no. that there's Facebook now, and people can somebody, watch this. Somebody and, just saw that. Yeah, so... No, but let's, let's just, let's be put it in the real words. That love was not made complete. Anybody else have that experience? You poured yourself out and the other person didn't reciprocate. You don't have complete love. Now, when I met Susie and I was totally falling in love with her and I was going to ask her to marry me, she was holding me like this. And I'm like, and I get that. I was one of these guys, for some reason, my, I was weird, um, like, I always dated girls who couldn't, I would love them, and they couldn't love me back. They struggled to love me back, and I'm like, yeah. I don't know, that's like the hunt or something. <laughs> I know. What are you looking at me like that for? You're like, no, it's just, it was, it's, seriously, that's a whole lot of my own psyche, you know. But anyway, so I'm pursuing Susie, and she's going like this and keeping me from a distance, and I'm like, I get this. Let's go. And then all of a sudden, God gave her the freedom to love me, and she started gushing out love to me. And you know what I did? I free, yeah, I acted, I ran. And I literally, I started putting up a wall with her. And, and here's the point. Her pastor had to come to me and say, why are you doing this? Are you gonna do this? Is this how you're gonna actually be in this relationship? Because I can tell you this, if you can't receive love, 
you will not have a complete love. And some of you are getting love, but you won't give it back. And so this is all. So we get this on a human level, you guys. We get this on a human level. Here's what God is saying. If you and I are going to have complete love, if you are going to experience my love, then it's got to be complete. And the only way it gets complete is you got to receive my love, but then you got to love me back. And when those two things happen, the love is made complete. All right? So, so let's look at this. The love that's from God. Um, because this is the three things that have to happen. You have to have love from God. 1 John 4, 12, 16, 19. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. We got to figure that out. In verse 16, he says, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in, look at this. If you live in love, you live in God and God lives in you. Okay? So if we are going to experience this, the first thing that happens is we have to know and rely on the love that God has for us. And, and I want to tell you, man, it's really interesting because I think the number one spiritual warfare, the biggest spiritual warfare Jesus said about our enemy is he lies to us. Yeah. He lies to us about God. And some of you are in here right now, and, and if you're like me, I still, it's crazy. I can struggle because I gnosis. <laughs> I gnosis that God loves me. I intellectually understand that, right? Jesus loves me, this I know. Because the Bible told me so. Right? And, and, but, but if you don't move past that, because some of you today, you don't feel loved by God. You don't believe. You know he loves you, but you don't believe that he does. I think this is the biggest part of spiritual warfare. That's why in the Psalms, over and over and over, if you're struggling, read the Psalms, and it'll say over and over again, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. And so to have a faith that expresses itself in love, we must first really know that when God so loved you and he sent Jesus, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for you. And that's a done deal. And you can know that. But then the last one, he says, and we love because he first loved us. So you've got to get the love from God down first. And then you can have love for God. Then you've got to have love for God. What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I just want to tell you, man, about three years ago, I was praying one morning and I was like, man, God, I, I, I worship you. I want to follow you. I want to be faithful to you. I want to sacrifice to you. And then all of a sudden I said, because I love you. And then as soon as I said, I love you, something just changed. And what I realized, you guys, is whatever. I, this is, it's almost hard. But I mean, what I realized is way too much of my own life with God was I sacrifice for you, I'll obey you, I'll be faithful to you. (sighs) And what is that? That's not love. It's religion. And the next thing you know, man, and you know why I started acting like that? Because I started doubting that God really loved me. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you doubt that God loves you, you'll start trying to earn his love and you'll start trying to be good and you'll start, and, and it gets just messy. And you know what? What I realize is I can speak with the tongue of men of angels. I can move mountains with my faith. But if I do anything 
for God. That's not out of love for him, right? Love, it's what? Nothing. The most important thing is that we love him. And if you love, if you receive his love and you love him back, his love is made complete and you actually start experiencing him. That, that 1 Corinthians 13, I mean, that's what we know that there's those verses in there that are the typical, you know, love, you know, they're the ones used in marriages. But I love it, Dave. I just had to touch on this real fast because I feel like when we were talking and that, those verses of if you can do all these things, but if it's not done with love, then it just becomes this obligation. It becomes a checklist. It becomes, um, I, I did the thing and now we're going to move on. And you cannot... Do it that way in order to then live out that faith. You are, it's, to me, that's one of the most profound things because that's what shifted for us was when it all of a sudden stopped being an obligation. I think John talked about tithing, um, you know, all these different things that we have in our lives. If it's an obligation, if it's an I have to do this, we all know those eh, feelings we get when it's a have to do this, yeah. right? I, you know, when I have to take my kids somewhere eh, or when I want to take my kids somewhere, right? There's a big difference in our hearts and our emotions and how we're going to live that out and how then our relationship with God is going to be lived. And that's been a great journey with you, watching you move from that yeah. obligation to freedom. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, then the last thing really quick and, and then we're done is he says, if you're really going to experience me, you got to receive love from me. You have to love me back. And then he says, if you really want to experience me, you actually have to love each other. Yeah. This is crazy. Look at this. First John 4. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. Now listen to this. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. So Rachel, share, share real quick your story a little Yeah, bit. so I mean, obviously you guys, I'm sorry. I'm going to use my kids. Lola, you're in here somewhere. I love you. I'm sorry. Um, as an example a lot. But so I do not know Riley Martin and Lisa Solers very well. I don't know if they're in here, but they are Lola's youth leaders. Uh, and I've gotten to know them because they are Lola's youth leaders. So here's what happened, though. I don't know these women but I can tell you right now, I love these women. And the reason I love them is because they are allowing God to work through them to pour out love to my daughter, Lola, who just this week was struggling to the point that she needed to reach out. She needed someone to come alongside her. And here these youth leaders were, these women who said, come with us. We want you to be with us. And so, of course, naturally, now I'm going to love them because I'm seeing the God and you get to see this cycle that moves and oh my gosh, their faith in God is living, being lived out in their love for Lola and then Lola's experiencing what that looks like and so that's changing her and we're all changing and we're all loving and it's crazy and weird and awesome and so experiencing that on the outside is what's going to allow us to then experience it with God even more. So as you step out in faith to love on someone Imagine the ripple effect it's going to have with all the people around you. Yeah, so think about this real quick. If you came to me and said, hey, man, Dave, I just want to let you know, I, I love you. Your kids, though, oh, God, I hate those guys. I could care less what you just told me. Listen to this. I could care less what you just told me. You don't love my kids? You and I are not fellowshipping. <laughs> And so that's why the Bible says, so you come and you, you sing your praises and you tell me how much you love me and then you curse your brother or sister. Ain't happening. You guys hear that? 
ain't happening. So if you claim to have fellowship with God and love him, but you don't love the people in this room, he goes, you and I are not, we're not doing this. And so, and this is, this is a huge deal because when Rachel and I were talking about this, I just said, because here's the reality. Does, does, does God love her? Man, he absolutely loves her. All right. But if I come in and go, yeah, but you know, I don't, I don't want to. So uh, <laughs> she's like a sister to me, man. So we mess around all the time. But here, but here's, but here's what I'm talking about. If that's what God is doing is loving that person. And then you say, but I'm not going to then you just decided to not fellowship with God. You just decided right there not to share in what he's doing. Yeah. Trading a very big gap there, absolutely. Yeah. And so, so many of us are going, man, how come I don't experience God? And then we sit there and we look at the church and go, God, these people, though. Like, man, why do I have to go to church? Why do I have to actually be in life together groups? Everybody's like, oh, that's why. Because God loves people. If you're going to experience God, you got to do what he's doing. And his command was this, to love each other. All right. So band, come on up, and we're going to close. And we got a couple application steps for you. So in this, we talked at the very beginning about confession is such a necessary step for us to be able to look at and, and see where our hearts need to become in alignment with the Lord. And, and I've been, you know, confession is, tr- is truth-telling. God, this is what I have or I haven't been doing that is not in alignment with you. So we want you to take a second and really sit with this. Because there's definitely been places in my walk, with Jason's walk, with, with all of you, where you've literally said no to God to taking a step of faith, or you've just kind of sat back there, not even listening, not even wanting to hear. So what we want to do is to go ahead and take a second and just sit with it. God, where is this place what, what can I c- confess to God? God, this is the place where I have been holding out. God, I haven't been giving in my finances. God, I've been not being loving to the people around me. God, I've been rejecting people around me. Sit with that. What do you need to confess to the Lord? And you guys, and this is super important because the next thing is as soon as you confess, he says, I will be faithful to forgive you. Mm-hmm. If you'll confess that you're not loving people, or me by following me. He goes, if just agree with me on that, he goes, I will, I will, two things will happen. I'll forgive you so you and I can get back together. He goes, and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I will cleanse you from the actions that you're taking that aren't in line with me. And so, so confess and right there, and this is, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I am really learning, learning how to do this. Ask him for help. Mm-hmm. Ask him for help ask him for help. Remember the first point is complete reliance. You receive Jesus and Jesus is the only faithful one. He is the only one who loves everybody. So you can actually ask Jesus and say, Jesus, I know God wants me to do this. I can't do it. I can't do it. That's your confession. Please help me to do it. And he lives in you to strengthen you. And now the coolest thing is you have no pride. Like, look how good I am. You're like, man, I couldn't do it. But Jesus gave me grace and mercy. And he helped me love the person I couldn't love. Mm -hmm. And he helped me say yes to God where I couldn't help. So confess it during this song and then ask him for help. He says you can approach the throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy and find grace to help you. Okay. Okay. 
Well, and, and I loved how Dave brought up the celebrate recovery. That the first step is is to confess that you are powerless, is to acknowledge that you do not have the strength in yourself to do what God is asking you to do. So what we want you to do is there is a blank in the program for you as you're sitting here reflecting. We want you to take a couple of minutes and just sit with the Lord. Hear from him. And we do. I come in expecting God to speak. I come in knowing he's going to move greatly with you and let you know an area that you need to move in. And so God, I love you. So I will what will you do through God because God is calling you into it? What will you do that he has said, say yes to this. Make this step. Put your deeds and your faith in alignment because he will do that for us. We want you to take a couple of minutes, sit with this, pray. Last week we had such an amazing response to the opening up here. So if you feel like you want to come forward and pray again, oh my gosh, please do. We all were just so, uh, it was overwhelming, amazing. Come forward, pray. Stay sitting in this time as we head into our last song of worship. Worship where you're at. Let God meet you where you're at and you come and meet God. This song, I, I, called, I told Kim, I could not believe that this was the song that they were closing. They picked it before we even connected. This has been my anthem song for the last probably four months because I recognize areas where I was living and just doing the work. I was just doing the motions and it was time to put my money where my mouth was and step into the game. So we're asking you, God, I love you, so I will. And think about this, you guys. The only thing that counts is this moment right here, having faith to say yes to God and expressing it in love. And he says, if you take this step, you will experience me. I will live in you. So if you want his love and his peace and his strength and his wisdom, take the step of faith and do it out of love. And he'll come and he'll meet you.